The Rebrand Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. Welcome to the Rebrand Podcast, an I Hear Everything production. This podcast tells the stories of world-changing marketing campaigns as told by the people who build them. In each episode, you'll hear an earful of brilliance from a marketer who has brought an iconic brand to life. Ready to hear the secrets and untold stories behind the brand you love? Then sit back, relax, and get ready for the rebrand. Here's the host of the Rebrand Podcast, the CEO of the Harkey Group, Scott Harkey. All right. Welcome to the Rebrand Podcast, where we tell the untold stories of world-changing brand campaigns as told by the marketers who've built them. I'm your host and founder, Scott Harkey of the Harkey Group. And today we're going to hear how organizations tell their story by the immutable laws of high-impact messaging. We've all seen that book, The 12 Immutable Laws of Marketing. I know when I was in radio, someone, my sales manager, like, hey, you got to read this book. So I'm super excited to dive in. So joining us today is Brandon Dell, who is the messaging expert and tech executive at Brandon Dell, which is a positioning and messaging expert to top technology brands with clients including Expedia, ADP, HP, YC, and 99 other portfolio startup companies. His book, The 12 Immutable Laws of High Impact Messaging, shares rules for standing out in crowded marketplaces. Brandon's new course, A $1 billion Pitch, examines eight elements of $1 billion pitches. Excited to dive into this one. His podcast, Billion Dollar Tech, reaches founders, executives, VCs, and PE investors globally. All right. Today, I and Brandon are going to discuss the 12 Immutable Laws of High Impact Messaging. All right, here's my conversation with Brandon Dell, messaging expert and tech executive at Brandon Dell. What's up, brother? What's up, man? Thanks for having Absolutely. me. Absolutely. Good to have you on. All right, so let's dive into this. Obviously, you've got this book out. I checked it out. It's got high ratings on Amazon. Certainly, uh, San Francisco tech startups have a model that works. I've been in the startup game. Nothing's harder than starting something from scratch and getting your marketing done right. So we'd love to hear your insights. Like, why did you decide to to do this book, and where are people getting it wrong when it comes to their messaging? Yeah, so I started to I decided to do the book because so I've been I've been building companies for the last ten years in a variety of capacities, and everything is a commodity now in technology, right? Everybody's building things. The features are largely the same. The products are largely the same, and because there's so much parity in what's available to people to build technology features quickly become commoditized. So even if you have something that's a little bit different today, people are and it's and it's working, people are likely going to quickly develop behind you. You can just look at public examples like as soon as TikTok started doing well, YouTube developed, you know, YouTube came out with shorts and Snapchat has reels and they all are developing the same features. So where do you differentiate? One of the modes that you can build is brand and the way you tell your story and the way you deliver that message in a way that's different and unique from everyone else out there. And that builds that emotional resonance with people. Because as we all know, and has been said a million times, people buy with emotion and back up with logic. So if you can build that emotion upstream where they believe that you are the right choice for them, they believe that you are the best choice for them. And there's a lot of 
research around this. There's something called anchoring bias that basically says once people have made up their mind on a subject, it's almost impossible to get them to change their mind, even in the face of overwhelming evidence to the contrary. So if they've decided that you're the, you're the right choice for them, they're likely going to buy you even when looking at competitors. So this is what the catalyst was because I felt like this is such a such a competitive advantage. And it's something that people often don't think about when they're, you know, they think a lot about their features. They think a lot about their tech stack, but they don't think about how am I going to tell this story? Man, so much to dive in there. A few things that, that stuck out to me, and I had a ton of friends in uh, San Francisco and in the tech space. And I saw YC, I, I assume you're talking about YC Combinator. I love what you said about building a moat because you don't hear that a lot with even really sophisticated marketing people really outside the tech scene. But another thing I haven't heard before, which I love what you said, which is an anchor bias. Of course, you know, I've been to CES every year. I was actually just at the PGA show last week and all tech was so similar, all the same products, features and benefits. But talk to us a little bit more about this anchoring bias and then explain what a moat means to the audience as well. Sure. So I guess to, to start, a, a moat is just, this is not my term. This is, I, I heard it first, I think from Warren Buffett. And it's just the notion that you create some chasm around your business that it's difficult for other people to cross. And there's many ways that you can do this. One, you know, wait, like, so AWS did this with technology, right? They were, when they started that brand, they were way out in front of the market. They got a moat in, in advance of that. One way that you can do that is with capital, right? Maybe you can build faster because you raise a bunch of money. And one way you can do that is with brand. Gong versus Chorus, right? Both were successful. Gong was 10x as successful. I had Udi on the podcast. One of the big reasons behind that, uh, Udi is the CMO at Gong. One of the big reasons behind that was because they built such a successful brand that people identified with. The anchoring bias. So again, not my term that I've taken from others, but essentially anchoring bias is just one of the cognitive biases that human beings sort of universally display unless you're aware of it. Confirmation bias you know, is, in a, is another one of these, which is basically like, if I think I'm right, I'm going to look for examples that prove me right. Or if I have an idea in my head, I will look for examples that support my idea and I will immediately dismiss examples of things that contrast with my idea of what's correct. And anchoring bias is you know, one of these biases where it basically says that once I've made up my mind, it's very, very difficult to get people to change it. We can see this in popular culture with things like politics, right? If you've got why we can't talk to people about these, to each other about these things. Because if I hold an idea to be true, you say something that's different than it, I'm going to reject that idea. Even if you, I saw this in a, so slightly contra, well, doesn't matter. I'm not, I'm not advocating one way or the other, but I saw this with a gun control post one time where somebody was talking about whether or not gun control was effective. They had a particular opinion. Somebody showed a study that was in stark contrast to this particular person's opinion they basically just completely disregarded this whole research because they already believed it to be true. So they went with it. This is how we make decisions at work as well. Once we make up our mind that a certain thing is the best for us, very, very difficult to get people to change their minds. So what you want to do is you want to build that trust, looping this back to marketing versus <laughs> going down the reason psychology here. You want to build that trust upstream. If you look at any given category in software, 75% is going to go to the category leader. And so you want to make sure that you're first in the mind of that buyer because being first in the mind means that they trust you, they believe you're the right choice for them, makes the buying decision much easier. So you took the question right out of my mouth. And is there a first advantage mover or is it for tech startups or, or new companies coming out? Is, is first to market win still? Or is it is it like 
the best kind of brand marketing message that establishes that anchor bias wins? Like, what what's the strategy for winning? So the answer to that is there can be, and but there's also a way if you're not a first mover that you can still win in these categories. So if you have a you know a big brand or a category that gets created you will see those first mover advantages and usually dictated by who raises the most money kind of go in and take mind share in a given category. But there are ways that you can then sub-niche within these categories and find different ways and angles where you can make yourself for a very specific group of people or a very specific sub-problem within that category to carve out your own space where that group within that category thinks you're right for them. And so you can look at something like CRMs as an example of this. So Salesforce is the by far and away, right, the market leader in this space. And they have the overwhelming majority of the market in the category of CRM. Well, as that category has started to atomize down, one example of how people still want in that space is Pipedrive. Pipedrive went in and said, hey, we're going to be easy to your full featured, right? And so they carved out a market with SMBs to say, we are going to be the easiest to use CRM, and they were able to carve out a sub-positioning within that space of easy. And then we saw additional people like Copper come out and say, hey, we're going to be the one for G Suite. So if you use G Suite and you're you, you know relying on those tools, we're the most effective CRM for you as a G Suite user. And so you become first yeah. in the mind that way. And so there's ways to overcome that uh, first mover advantage. But yes, that it, it's definitely... Uh, I, no, I like that. I, I think... I think what I'm hearing is something I agree with wholeheartedly, which is there's a quote out there. And I think it goes something like, show me a good marketer and I'll show you a great niche marketer. And mm. after you own your niche, like I, I saw a quote on the other day about Amazon, you know, Amazon within three years owned books online. Now they sell everything. So Salesforce, obviously much more than just CRM, but owning that niche and then building out from there and finding that anchor bias that you talk about totally makes sense. I love it from a tech standpoint. And another buzz thing that I heard as you're talking about why raising capital is so important and why I think the tech companies got it right is they understood that the more capital you raised, the more believable you were as a brand. And that moat got bigger and bigger for, for other companies. We saw this with Airbnb, Uber, and others. I mean, those probably 100 others. This is what YC, I think, a lot about what they talk about. But yeah, I think a lot of really usable information for our marketing people out there from a from kind of a tech startup perspective, which if you look at the last 10 years in terms of marketing, most of the unicorns have come from one market, which is pretty crazy, San Francisco. Yeah, overwhelmingly. And I think it's because the scale and the moat they built, right? And I think that's what you're talking about. But talk us through... I want to talk about the book a little bit more. And I also want to ask you about the title. Did you love like the 12 immutable laws of marketing? Did you... And, and so it's kind of off of that. I love the title. And, and again, to your point, it seems like you're kind of finding a different niche within you know 12 immutable laws. So talk to us about the book. Yeah. So the book was just me putting down... I would get asked a lot from founders of how do I internalize the practice of my teams creating good messaging, right? Like what I do is go into companies and I help them create frameworks. You can't be there for the day to day. And how do I give people a set of principles to not like a here's the headline template to use, but a set of principles to think about when they're writing and they're creating messaging? And so the book was my response to that. How do I document the practices that I've seen to be effective that govern effective messaging, just like the book more holistically on marketing? And that was uh, where it came from. That's cool. And so 
if you're a marketer and you're maybe you have a tech startup or you're a brand working for a, an up and comer or you're an entrepreneur, like where do you get started other than just picking up your book? Obviously, like where's the best place to kind of get your framework started? Yeah. So the first place that to begin for anybody is with who their buyer is. Really, really clear about who that buyer is. And then the second piece of that is what's their jobs to be done? So I work primarily in a B2B context and, but this works in both consumer and and in the enterprise side of things, people buy products to solve problems overwhelmingly. There are examples of aspirational products, but especially in a market like we're in today, we're sitting here in you know February of 2023. The tech market is is not in a great spot. Some some sectors of the economy are not in a great spot. So people are going to buy those pain relievers, not the vitamins. So getting really clear on who is this person, what are their jobs to be done? Jobs to be done basically says like what are the things they have to they're trying to accomplish in their day as it relates to your product. Getting clear on those things and then clearly articulating who that buyer is, how you help, and how you uniquely help them. And the biggest mistake that I see with messaging of anything is people lack clarity. They want to come up with cute, fancy names about what they do, or they're not a. It's not a CRM. It's a relationship optimizing platform. And it's like, well, I don't know what the, yeah, what you're yeah. talking about, <laughs> you know. And so, those are the three fundamentals. <laughs> no, that's those are great points. The last one, especially when you try to get cute with kind of what segment you're in, and you're not really honest with the segment you play in and where you can really win and what you can really own. And there's certainly product differentiation, which is hard to do to your point earlier. But there's also kind of messaging distribution or messaging messaging differentiation. And so, man, a lot there. I know we've got another podcast coming up. There's a lot I want to get into with you. I know people can use this framework um, in so many different companies. And I think you're, you're right. And just over and over what I hear again, the other word I heard was alignment. And I know we've seen a lot of success when you can have everybody aligned, sales, marketing, board members, investors aligned on where exactly you're going to win and how you're differentiated from the consumer, then you can really start doing marketing. But a lot of times people just want to do the marketing part without the alignment part. And this book sounds like it can help a lot of people kind of get the framework. I mean, a lot of times we'll do like brand workshops and things like that. But those a lot of times the, the cost is really prohibitive to startup culture, which I've really struggled with as I've tried to help startups and do startups. And I'm like, Oh, shoot, we can't hire our agency. Like it's, <laughs> it's not scaled down for the startup world when cash burns very quickly. <laughs> All right. Uh, we've got a lot more to come. We're going to have Brandon on again tomorrow. Big thanks to uh, Brandon Dell, message expert and tech executive for Brandon Dell. Big thanks to him for joining us in part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow. Brandon and I are going to discuss diversifying Expedia in a crowded marketplace. And we've all heard of Expedia. Boy, the, the travel online booking wars were heavy. So I'm excited to dive into that. Talk about trying to differentiate. I can't wait to hear more about that with Brendan. If you can't wait till the next episode and you want to learn more about Brendan, you'll find a link to our LinkedIn profile in our show notes. Or you can contact him on Twitter where it's uh, Dell Brendan, B-R-E-N-D-A-N. You can visit the company website at brendandell.com and that's B-R-E-N-D-A-N-D-E-L-L.com. Another link in our show notes I want to tell you about if you didn't have a chance to take notes, who does? We're going to do it all for you. It's all at the rebrandpod.com. We've got episodes, summaries, links, everything you need is just at rebrandpod.com. Feel free to subscribe to our newsletter. We're trying to build a community of great marketers and we want to share learnings and failures and everything else. So subscribe to that. 
And uh, you can always reach us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all the stuff. We just started the rebrand, but you can probably find me easier. And that's just at Scott Harkey pretty much anywhere or Sharky AZ on Twitter. Again, uh, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe because uh, we have a podcast for you. Just write your app, whether it's Spotify or Apple. We want to make it easy for you. We've built a community of almost 5,000 marketers on the show in probably about two months time, uh, which is pretty cool. So we're, I think we're, we're making a difference. We're learning as we go. We're trying to get better and better every day. So that's it for today. But remember, it's never too late to rebuild, reboot, or rebrand.